All right there, Jeff. Uh, jump on up in the chair there, and uh, let me just uh, roll up the... I... Hey. Um, a bit of help there, sir, if you don't mind. I've um, I've got a, a um, step stool for children. Here, here you go. Sir, I am an adult. I understand. Having I understand. said that, I am an adult mongoose. I am not above being picked up, and I would ask you politely, treat me like an adult, and lift me up gently onto this seat. You have to understand, the seat, the bottom of it, is taller than my head. I'm just a mongoose. And oh. I want... Oh, oh, okay. There you go. Thank All you, right. sir. Let Was me, that so odd? Uh, let me go and wash my hands real quick. Oh, I'd be in my mouth. I'd be... I'd have some questions if you didn't. Can't hear you, Jeff. Oh, no, no problems, sir. All right, all washed up, and uh, let's see. Uh, so what are we in for today? Are you having a little pain? Are you just uh, a checkup? Uh, is it just, cleaning? Just is a it, cleaning, sir. Are you having a little pain just a cleaning. in there? Nope, is it nope. in the molars, no, in the incisors? No, I brush regularly. That's good, that's I've good. I've lost a lot of my life depended right, on it. All right, let's get in there a little bit. Uh, all right, all right. right. So let's if see you're just going to... Oh, I'll I'll Let's see. Yeah, a lot of canines going on. A lot of canines. There's a little staining around there. Let's see. I'm going to poke on the gums just a little bit to see how they respond. Yeah. Uh, bleeding is do. normal. Uh, it's hard. Did you say bleeding? Yes, yes. I, I'm poking the gums to uh, make them a little puffy to just see how they how they react. And uh, if, if they're the red or too weak. Or, oh, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. And, and, okay. Hands out. Okay. Are you trying to tell me I've got puffy, receding gums? Well, I'm, just, not, I'm not buying that. I'm just, not buying um, that load of goods, sir. You know, on number one, number two back there in the in the back. Um, Listen, I don't know your maths. I don't know what you're trying to tell me, but I know that I take immaculate care of these teeth. These well, teeth are my tools. I'll tell oh, you. Oh, and did I tell you I use these tools to kill cobras? Okay, well, your incisors look great. Uh, there's, there's, right. um, there's a little staining hey, on, on the canines there. That bird you got working out front, hey, what, what's, what's her name? Rebecca. Rebecca, right. I like to rub Becca. <laughs> you get that? It's all, as I said, it's okay. like I like to okay. rub Becca. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she occupado, as I say. <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't asked her, Jeff. Oh, I haven't asked oh, her. Right. Sometimes I guess you just got to go for it, buddy. Too right. Too right. Now, yeah. now you're speaking my language. You and I, we got common common ground now. Mm-hmm. Go I'm ahead. Not, get back I, in there. Uh, I'm a dentist, all right? I'm right. not blind. Right. 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 Too it's right. A little, it's a little dentist joke. <laughs> it's a little dentist joke. Get your hands back in my mouth. Right. This is fine. This is fine. We'll just there check uh, right. down at the bottom right. here. Uh, let's see. Right. That in, incisor's good. Incisor. Molar, molar. Molar, molar. Molar, 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 molar. Molar rams through the ram. It's just a little dentist joke. Just a little dentist joke. All right. Indiana Jones there, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. steal my heart. Although I'll store it in a few myself. Oh, I bet you have. Okay, okay. I need you to open up a little more. Open up a little more. Okay. In this case, I, I would I would really recommend some some mouthwash. You know, uh, if you well, want to go easy on on buttermilk mouthwash. No, yeah, yeah, but buttermilk's not not that great. It's a uh, high all, acid con- all, content in there, and, and then it'll get the Rebuild sugar in there. You, you you that's where the gen- the, the gum disease gingivitis comes in. So, uh, Wait, the gum disease. What comma? I'm sorry, gingivitis. That's that's what I just said. 
just making sure. We have to say that. It's union. You know, I need to know about the gum disease. Oh, Rebecca Vitus. <laughs> you know, that was okay. a little stretch. No. That, was a, that was a bit of a stretch. Oh, granted, but I was just kind of I've got an to get, assistance. Back, get away from Listen, this I, particular discussion. Back onto the birds well, in the front of the house. No, but I, I was going to tell you, I, I have an assistant named Ginger. Uh, that that <laughs> joke would have really flown with that one. But, you know, she's only in on Tuesdays. Tuesdays and Thursdays. She's only in on Tuesdays. You've got to tell me these things. Right right off the bat hey hey. listen I I see uh, Rebecca is actually flagging me down let me let me go see what she wants I think is it me him me him are you you talking to me no no you want the dentist alright Okay, okay, Jeff. I've got my eye on you. Jeff. I've got my eye on you, Rebecca. Rebecca's actually saying your your uh, insurance has been denied, so... You what, Mike? Well, I can't continue examining you um, oh, right now. Oh, oh. Is, is it what? Is it like a credit card? Maybe... I run don't it know. again. I, I don't know. It doesn't work like Rebecca, that. I'm sorry. run it again. Run the card again. I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff. You, uh, it. It's, it's just, just not it. like that. It's just uh, it could have been demagnetized. I travel so extensively, no, sir. Not a it could have been demagnetized so. by no, a backscatter so. X-ray machine so, um, airport security. If you would uh, uh, hop down out of the chair there, well, grab, well, grab well, your well, bowler hat, uh, and, and uh, <laughs> just you can make so another, another there, appointment with uh, us. Uh, once just you like get to hold up there, sir, because you see, it's good insurance. I mean, I'd got that. Okay, you know what, Jeff? I I really need to to get on to the next patient here, so I really. Really like it if if you'd leave, please. Well, I don't, I don't see how that's Is possible. Is my turn into chairs yet? Who the hell was that? Well, that that's that's my next patient. Uh, I, uh, I I actually he I think he's he's in a lot of pain. It just sounds like it from his voice. Need to get the examining because of the wiggle tooth. Cool. <laughs> oh, Jeff. Jeff. Every day is a struggle for a down on his luck cobra assassin. Hope he doesn't forget his bowler. Better not. It's, it's most of his charm. It's how he gets most of the ladies. Most of the birds. Hey everybody, I'm David Flora. I'm David Stecco. You caught me sipping. <laughs> Still, Still love, love him though. though. <laughs> uh, this is Blurry Photos. Uh-huh, the blurriest. Welcome to episode 102. We, I never counted them, but now that we've crossed 100, it seems perversely fun. <laughs> Disgusting yeah. episode numbers. Um, yeah, we we got a good one for you tonight. We got I a think. great one. This is really fun. Flora found this one, and I'm so into it. Oh, it's man. a little slice of American history. American. Disgusting American history. Nothing more American than this. Yeah, let's, uh, let's just jump into this yeah, uh, uh, bucket. The, yeah, we don't need to... There's no no back rubs, no uh, Dave Matthews band, no no incense burning. Is just trying no. to so let's just jump into bed with this mystery. Yeah, uh, we don't even need to to tell you to go to audibletrial.com slash burly photos. Yeah, it would be a waste of time to say hit the donut. Button. <laughs> I, hey. I, I just called it the donut button, but not on accident. I mean, it wasn't. I don't know. I just called it the donut button, and that that felt right. Okay, whatever. All right. Could Let's, you imagine if if we sent out free donuts every time they used the oh, donate button? So great! Uh, yes, thank you though for we we've gotten some some donations recently. Yes, and we so appreciate it. I cannot tell you how great that is. Things that your donations are funding. Mm-hmm. One T-shirts. That's really happening. Yep, I've got two out of three pieces. Yep, we're right about now. to finish and, our triforce. And the third one should be coming in any day now. Yep. So we're, we're we're using the money for that. So we'll have T-shirts available soon. 
We're working on setting up the new website. That's taking a little bit of cash. We've got a lot of things out there. We've actually, uh, you know, been using money for things like our, we, you noticed that a few months ago we got new logos, yeah. things like that. Yep. Uh, Flora and I, lots of fun on a microphone. Don't let us draw anything. <laughs> it's a mistake. So, uh, you'll see that. You'll see that when we draw our own shirts and you'll be like, oh, yeah. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want everyone to know that like how much we appreciate the donations. Uh, it lets us do more. It lets us be more ambitious. Yeah. And we are ambitious folk. That's right. Um, already planning maybe a trip, a, a, a mm-hmm. bit of a tripping. A little road trip. I don't think that'll take much money just nope. just for the, the short one that we're planning right now. But um yeah, I, I hope it can be uh, put to good use on there. And if and if it's not, then we'll save it for the next tripping. Yeah, maybe maybe once we get it all settled out, maybe we announce our location. Maybe there's a listener in the area. We could grab lunch, there kick you go. it, have a beer. There you go. So thank you guys for all of your support. Thank you for listening. Right. Thank you for likes. Thanks for all that. I I don't feel like we ever say that enough. Oh, and you know what? You know what? Me being the giant dick I am, I I never got around to doing last episode. Uh, thank you to Mark Soloff, to right. Mark Coulomb, to Mel Evans, uh, Mel Evans to Nathan Capacer, Craig Lewis. Yes. To Greg Bach. To my girlfriend. Annie Rikes. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thanks, thank everyone, for, for helping with our, our big Hildo episode. Yeah, being a part of our Hildo. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for uh, for listening to it. So I never just, I didn't say that last time. So that's, that's a very good point. That's on me, too. Yeah. So we're dicks and we're sorry and yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and now and for more now, bullshit. You guys, you're in for a treat. We're yeah. talking about the business plot. When Flora first said that to me, I I just thought that it was like some new world order, like skull and bones kind of thing. That um, and then when he did his research, he found out it was some new world yeah, order, skull, skull and, and bones, bones kind of thing. <laughs> but this is a this is an extraordinarily interesting thing I'd never heard of, and it is a real piece of American history. With some with some mystery, with some unknown to it. Yeah. Some conspiracy. A lot of conspiracy. It's all a lot conspiracy. Of conspiracy. Yeah. It's a conspiracy. But also, the, it's a conspiracy with with tangible records in the National Archives. Like, this, yeah. this is something that Congress had a no deal with. Implausible deniability. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, let's, let's kick this whole thing off. Do-do-do-do. Dateline, a hundred years ago, World War One sucks for everybody. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of American soldiers return home from the front, only to find most things suck. <laughs> well, things are all right for a little while until, yeah. you know, the, the interests that be decide to uh, uh, pull a fast one on, on good old Joe Blisterfoot. On yeah, <laughs> exactly. There was, there was this problem and this is, there's, there's kind of a lot of setup to this and it's important. So bear with us, but I, unfortunately you're going to learn something. Um, so right after world war one, all of these soldiers come home and the initial standing agreement was you're mustering out. You got $60 and a, and a train ticket home. And, all of these soldiers coming back, you know, the, the America had had filled these these jobs when they all left. They had a really hard time finding employment. The 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 economy was awash with labor, mm-hmm. um, and we didn't have the, the enough jobs for these people. And sixty dollars in a, a train ticket, not enough. And so the uh, uh, veterans started to group together. They petitioned the government to say, "Hey, come on." 
you know, uh, eight or llama. How about a little sum for the effort there? <laughs> like they're, they're trying to get something because well, they wanted a pension. Right. For, yeah, they wanted a pension. They wanted the government to say, yeah, I'm, I'll take care of you because you hung it all out on the line right. in one of the ugliest wars. The, the biggest, there's a, a war so big, they named it after the world. Well, the, the world. And at the time it was just called the great war. Yeah. They didn't think anything would surpass it. <laughs> Human ingenuity triumphs again. <laughs> so they came back, they petitioned the government and the government, heed and hawed, went back and forth and said, finally, and this is uh, Her- the Herbert Hoover administration. Hoover. Under which most everything went to crap. Yeah. He was the president. Scroover. He was- <laughs> nice. <laughs> you burned it. I burned it. He was the president after. I burned it like those soldiers got burned when Aww. they came home. Burned well, by burned by the government, okay. government, not mustard gas. Come on, man. I'm not a monster. <laughs> uh, so Herbert, Herbert Hoover took over after Woodrow Wilson, who, and I thank Ken Height for this, really turned me on to what a complete asshole Woodrow Wilson was. Turned America into a very terrifying place for a while with each neighborhood uh, had uh, an American activities. They would, all the, he, they encouraged neighbors to watch each other for un-American activities. Kind of a sketchy time. Also, you had problems with, uh, this is not particularly germane to this, but uh, 1918 Spanish flu outbreak. The government knew that this disease was out there, but they still said, oh, no, no, have war bond parades. We need those war bonds, even though knowing that, that this flu would spread when everyone yeah, came cluster to the everyone together mm-hmm. in a very tight space. And, and here in Chicago, that was a particularly big problem, you know? So, um, anyway, so Hoover, Herbert Hoover just carries the torch for these, these, these bad programs, but he was also a big friend to, uh, the, the capitalists. Oh yeah. Um, very much in their pocket. A lot of the military excursions in, in up to world war one, uh, and even after were, where the U.S.'s foreign policy was really um, pushing uh, individual corporations' interests. Yeah. Um, as a matter this, of fact, uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get to this. But uh, one of the, the main characters in this this story, this episode, Major General Smedley Butler. Who, Smedley. Smedley. He's not a villain. No, not at all. So um, get that out of your head. He actually went to China as a marine, a United mm-hmm. States Marine, to protect a Standard Oil. Yeah. Uh, 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 outpost. Yeah, for the Boxer Rebellion. Yeah, but. so so these kind of the, a lot of weird things happening, a lot of stuff, and and don't forget in 1913. Speaking of corporate interests, the Federal Reserve was created. Yep, which I actually almost suggested uh, as a show topic for this week. I didn't tell you this, but I I wanted to have more time to do research on it. Yeah, maybe we will. There's and I, I definitely want to do a whole episode on the creation of the Federal Reserve and, and all the all the stuff that goes along with that because yeah. there's a lot of um, allegations, implications, and other things that well, rhyme with yeah. nation. There, whenever nation. there's something with that much money and in, in, in determining economic you know futures, it's yeah. a big deal. A lot of people think that that was that's has spelled the end of America uh, for the people by right. the people. And I would counter that by saying it's the it's the Fed is the reason why the United States has come out of the recession faster than any other country on the planet has because of a unified Federal Reserve system. Mm. It's uh, it, it, there's just so much cool stuff there. So I think we should do that someday, yeah, one day. But but for the time being, a lot of stuff going on. So these uh, these soldiers they return to the United States. They want a better deal. They're they're like, come on, man, we we deserve. They don't more. like this old deal, <laughs> right? I didn't even mean to do that. And you're like totally right. So. Uh, 
the Hoover administration finally reaches this, this compromise of sorts. They say, oh, you know what? You're right. You're all heroes and you deserve something better. How about a thousand dollar U.S. bond? <laughs> Payable in 20 years. Yeah. 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 That's and the every, fine print. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, that sounds great. I'm sorry. What? Well, well yeah. You want a thousand dollars with interest. Payable in 20 years. Yeah. And, and I, and it was, um, 25 1925 i think that that was yeah uh, it, it was the um it was the uh world war adjusted compensation act <laughs> jesus what's the acronym on that yeah that would be the wwaca waka 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 oh waka waka yeah so all these soldiers are like that's great but that's in the but it also 20 sucks. years in the damn future yeah. come on man we need money now. None of us can afford food now. None of us will be alive in 20 years. What are you going to do about that? Right. So, and so they, these, these veterans groups, they started to, to converge on Washington. They marched on Washington and they formed this, this, I mean, it was the name of them. So they formed it as though it was some formal thing, but they, they was called the bonus army. Yeah. Because they were looking for their bonus. Yeah. Their, their, it was the bonus for having served yeah. in fucking World War One, <laughs> right? And so, out of this, uh, some some big players, and one of these guys was uh, Major General Smedley Butler. He was a Marine, and like a Marine's Marine, he yeah. um, he lied about his age so he could get in at sixteen, and he fought everywhere and everyone. Yeah. He went to every action all over the world, South America, China. I mean, places that I didn't know that we sent soldiers. Yeah, the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. all over the place. And so, and we'll 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 go into a bit more detail a little later too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's yeah, his life will have to go he's over. The guy. So that kind of I, I just that that's sort of like what led up to this moment. Yeah. That. Well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, gosh, it's 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 one of those things where I, I don't know about your public school experience, but never got into 20th century at all with, with my American oh, history. Oh no. And and here's the thing, like this part of history is so rarely really examined. There's, yes. there's world war one. We're just in the war and it's and then, all about trenches and mustard gas. Right. And then there's the, the great de- depression. Yeah. Then there's yep. the depression and then world war two, like there's right. these big points that get hit, but this is a fascinating section. And I, I gosh, I wish Ken Height was here because, man, that man knows history backwards and forwards. Um, all of the tiny little things that coalesce into this event. Um, and, and mostly this is a really interesting study in the the influence of economics on politics. Political on, science. Yeah, yeah. And how all these things are, are intermixed. It's just a great thing. Oh, yeah. And so – what we're going to tell you tonight, uh, today, tomorrow, tomorrow morning, uh, yep. the business plot, we're going to tell you what it is, who was involved with it, did it really happen? Yeah. And what, maybe maybe we'll get into some, like, what would have happened if it was successful or, you know. Yeah. What ifs. Uh, here's, a, here's a general overview of what's going on then, um, now that we're... Now that we're caught up with the now that we have literally an, an army of disgruntled veterans right. camped around the capital. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 1933, an apparent coup to overthrow the administration of Franklin Delano Roosevelt was set in motion by a shadowy cabal of wealthy businessmen. What? Ever heard of that? The aim of the plot was to install a state of fascism. Quote, 
to save the nation from the communists who want to tear it down and wreck all that we have built in America. End quote. Now, here's a weird thing for your historical Venn diagram. But at this time, Benito Mussolini is over in Italy and he is, by most people's accounts, killing it. <laughs> he has got their industry up and running. He is actually, people are like, oh, that that, that Mussolini guy, look at what he's doing with mm-hmm. Italy. Mm-hmm. What a brilliant guy. Yeah. This is what we should be doing, people. Right. And you know who else is a, is a real rising star? Yeah. Some A Hitler. Right. I don't know, but I like the cut of his jib. And that's that's a part of history that people forget that on their on their rise up, these people are organizing their nations, nations that were devastated by war, Germany in particular. Oh yeah. Disenfranchised, left just to burn. No <laughs> one cared about it after the war. And these these guys, these charismatic leaders, they 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 get these countries back on their feet. Only to then drive them back to their knees, but right. we haven't gotten there yeah, yet. Yeah, that's, that's later is, in the book. Yeah, and so it, it's it's a hard thing to think about. But at this at this point in history, people there's there's and I'm not saying everyone, nothing's absolute, but there are a lot of people, especially on the, of the uh, capitalist persuasion, are saying, "Man, that guy over there, he's really onto something. He's really getting that country going." Right. Wish we had some of that juice. And and the other thing um, on on the old history lesson leading up to this, nineteen twenty nine, Black Tuesday, the the crash of the stock market. Yep. That you know, uh, of course, you you know what what happens with that. You know, besides people losing everything that they own, <laughs> right? And and jumping from buildings, it sends the uh, the country spiraling into recession and then depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Great Great Depression, uh, just a horrible time. And then nobody was having fun with it. Then to uh, uh, to top it all off, of course, there's prohibition going on, so you can't even drink your problems away. <laughs> there's nothing good happening. The middle of America turned into a huge uh, pile of of dusty. Shit. Yep. The only thing that would grow was the grapes of wrath. <laughs> And grow they did. <laughs> so, so America is just uh, stagnant, if not just yeah. completely fallen on its ass. Uh, the rich industrialists and Wall Street fat cats, they were scared shitless of yep. FDR. Yeah. Here comes this guy who has this, this, this idea for all these social programs. Because I mean, America is reeling. We're we're fifty years out from the Civil War. Yeah, um, you know it's it's been a it's been a bumpy fifty years. You know of of rebuilding and then World War One, and so FDR decides. You know what? I'm we're let's let's try something. Like we've got to change what we're doing. Yeah, and that's where we, that so he launches this sweeping number of reforms that we now refer to in aggregate as the new deal. Right. And, and the, the rich, the elite who were fine during this time, by Mm -hmm. the way, they had already made their, their millions. They, (laughs) which will come up in a a later episode. If we do the, the federal reserve, there's a whole thought that they orchestrated the crash pulled all their money right at the last minute, caused the crash, and then sat pretty while America burned. Mm-hmm. So anyways, they were fine during this time. Then they started getting scared when when the um, what the social norm was, was questioned or, or challenged yeah. by FDR. He comes in. He was 
uh, poised to conduct what they saw as a as a massive redistribution of wealth from the rich to the poor. Uh, To achieve this goal, they sought to recruit retired Marine Corps Major General Smedley Butler, a popular and influential veteran and all-around real American hero. And um, again, we'll we'll come back to him in in a little bit. Uh, Butler would organize an army of 500,000 veterans to march on Washington and ask nicely if President Roosevelt would pretend to become sick and let Butler run things in his stead while doing the bidding of Wall Street. And if uh, Roosevelt refused, he would be overthrown by Butler's army and executed. And then, yeah, and still Butler would be in charge. And he, you know, might curiously reverse all of uh, FDR's changes. Yeah, yeah. However, Butler ended up blowing the whistle and causing a hearing to be convened by the House of Representatives to investigate the allegations. Yeah, because what they... (laughs) But they didn't somehow, despite his uh, two Congressional Medals of Honor, yep. his distinguished service career, the fact that he almost ended up running the entire Marine Corps, mm-hmm. um, that he is a true patriot in that he is willing to say, I don't think this is right and this is what we shouldn't be doing, but I love my country right. and I'm not going to let it burn. <laughs> yeah. Not going to let it yeah. be taken over by a bunch of asshats. Right. And that looking was for a buck. Right. Their mistake was thinking that because he was speaking out against the government on behalf of the bonus army. Oh, well, this guy hates the government. He'd love to see it burn just as much as we would. Right. But for stupid reasons that don't involve money. <laughs> <laughs> Though the apparent coup ended there and the hearing found Butler's story to be mostly true no one was convicted of any crimes, and soon the story faded into relative obscurity. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, they even went so far as to uh, redact from his testimony the names of the most prominent people, yep. uh, um, amongst which J.P. Morgan. Yep, yep. Um, they they redacted them from the official record and said, "Oh, well, those names are hearsay." Right. So, but these other names, these lesser people, yeah, we'll put them in the record. And oh, we're so mad at you. <laughs> you, you uh, will, uh, uh. yeah. No more plotting against the president. And, and knock it off. So we, we've told you um, about how we got to this point. Um, America was embroiled in the Great Depression. People began to get worried that capitalism was a failure and even democracy was a bust. Mm-hmm. That's how, how that's how depressed people were in the Great Depression. Well, I mean, look at I mean, we, we were uh, at that point, uh, you know, just better than 150 years old. Mm hmm. We've already had a civil war. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, it's like, it's a tough thing. You know, we're still acquiring land. There's still stuff happening in the West and we're, we're still duking it out for just the simple sovereignty of the nation. And it's not going well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough. So some people wanted a dictator to straighten things out and uh, other forms of government began to look a little better than what was going on. This included fascism, Mm -hmm. communism for some people, Nazism, because that was becoming uh, popular. And communism, always popular in industrial areas. Yeah. I mean, you you read uh, Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, Mm -hmm. you know, it gets you hooked because there's people in the meat products. There's terrifying stories. Uh, As a matter of fact, fun anecdote, when I moved to Chicago, I didn't know a single person here. So you cooked people and ate them. So I cooked people and ate them. And the only book that I read as far as research was The Jungle. 
I moved out here and read The Jungle, <laughs> which is just, it's a, if you hadn't read it, it's, it's a very uh, important work uh, from the 1920s by Upton Sinclair. And it was this sort of scathing expose on uh, the Chicago meatpacking industry, how um, the whole city was like this running graft of bringing in immigrants into Chicago, instantly fleece them of all their money. They would work in these 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 horrifying conditions in the the stockyards and as butchers. They and then the minute they were broken or would die, they would kick right back out again. And it was it was just a just a rough, brutal system. And that's what he was writing about. But the I mean the last big chunk of the book are just these giant communist and socialist screes. <laughs> it's always like he writes it. Oh, and then the gentleman came in and, and in a clear voice said. 12 pages later, I mean, like it was, it was, you know, it was a very, it was very popularist uh, because people were treated so badly that communism sounded like a great idea. Yeah. No one, no one had heard Yakov Smirnoff yet, so they'd had no idea. (laughs) But uh, to a lot of people, communism was, was the devil. Yeah. Still. Um, And now keep in mind, some of these, these forms of government were still new and not full of atrocities that would later emerge. Yep. And like you said, the Italian dictator um, Benito Mussolini, already admired by conservative businessmen for solidly dealing with uh, unions, with social unrest, and getting Italy's economy up and running again, if yep. only at the point of a gun. Right. In my research, I didn't see. You know, it just said that they were very, they were in, intrigued by what he's done, and there was a lot of people who were like, "Oh, look, Italy's doing great." I don't know if they were willfully ignoring. The other practices, maybe at this point they were unaware of them. I don't know. Probably unaware. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have no idea which way that went, but but it was just, yeah, it was a, a, a weird a weird time for that. Yeah. And then uh, when Roosevelt took office in 33, he instituted what he called the first hundred days. Yep. Or the first Hildo. The first Hildo. Uh, which was an economic program aimed at stimulating the economy. Which, by the way, I think every president thereafter has been expected to pull some sort of damn miracle in yeah. the first hundred days, and it's oh, yeah. never happened again. Less than that, like right. before they even take office, they're blamed. But this included such things as the Glass-Steagall Act. The establishment of a glass ceiling. <laughs> With an eagle painted on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Civilian Conservation Corps, and um, he ended Prohibition. And helped legislation to relieve mortgage burden and unemployment. And also, a very important thing, he got America off the gold standard. Right. I think we have a, I think we have a, a audio clip of that speech. It's time for America to work hard and play hard. <laughs> <laughs> Americans need jobs and beers to drink while on those jobs. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. So he gets us off the gold standard. And that, that right there is what really paints the target on him. Yeah. The thing about the gold standard. Now, the uh, England had already abandoned the gold standard a few years before. Yeah. Now, what this did economically was further hurt the U.S. Yeah. Because the... Uh, Without gold underpinning the value of the dollar, it could fluctuate. And and real quick, the gold standard means that one dollar is equal to 
so many ounce uh, yeah. parts of an ounce of a go- of gold. So yep. maybe like twenty dollars equals one ounce of gold. One dollar equals point oh five and or whatever. The, the exact conversion was uh, one dollar. Uh, one was equal to an amount of gold equal to one point six seven dollars. Okay. Now the problem with this is that you can you can pull a very easy sleight of hand because there's tons and tons and you you the US uh, contracts had these this gold underpinning it was part of mortgages it was part yeah. of business loans that that gold was currency you could go to the bank with your dollar bill mm-hmm. and say i want this exchanged for my the gold that it's worth yep. And now, and I don't understand this part. I, I it's and it was kind of outside of the scope of this. But so the conversion was one U.S. dollar was equal to one point six seven dollars. They, they called a gold dollar, and this is a horrible situation because it means that a bank, because gold is written into your mortgage, mm-hmm. can say, "Oh yeah, that um, that, that ten thousand dollars that we lent you, um, now you owe us sixteen thousand seven hundred dollars. Yeah. We want you to pay that to us in gold." And it can go both ways. And it's, it was this, this very tricky thing. So getting off the gold standard meant that the British dollar actually, uh, the British sterling, pound sterling was when it was, when they removed the gold standard, it actually fell in value. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with this is that means that the, the pound is weak against the dollar and Britain buys less from the US. Yeah. So now we don't have as many exports. Further drives us into trouble. And they didn't expect it to get better. They were they at that point. They thought it might get worse, and so all these companies are withholding their orders, waiting for the the pound sterling to gain uh, value, so they don't get robbed on it. They thought, oh, in the future it'll get better, so we'll wait for now. While this happens, the U.S. economically is starving. Right. So uh, FDR says, "F it, we're off the gold standard." He manages, and it it was extraordinarily controversial. Went to the Supreme Court narrowly passes the Supreme court because he, by executive order stripped out the gold clause on every contract, nullified it across the land with one maneuver, Mm -hmm. which was, I mean, tearing off one hell of a (laughs) bandaid. And so suddenly all these, uh, these, these capitalists who didn't give a what happened economically because they had their money and, and they knew how much it was worth. All of a sudden, oh my God, we could turn poor like anybody else. The dollar could devalue. It could it could inflate. You know, there's all these problems that could that could affect their money now. Yeah, when you come off the the gold standard, gold is anything can happen. <laughs> it's a fucking mad world. <laughs> the gold backed up. diamonds. That's different. <laughs> gold backed up the dollar. So. It, you know, they you can't print more money than the gold that you have in reserve. Right. Which is a great way to regulate everything. Mm-hmm. But with all this economic turmoil going on, you take yourself off the gold standard. Then you've got uh, fiat uh, currency, yep. which is just, it, it's a fancy way of saying made up currency. You can print all the money you want. It's, we all agree what it's worth. Right. And that's why it's worth anything. At it's a all. currency based on faith, which means if you're in trouble and every, everybody tried this, Oh, I'll print more money. But the problem is you print more money. That means each individual piece of money is worth less. And right. that is the definition of inflation. That's inflation. That's why I think it was a, is it Germany at one point they were wallpapering. 
their apartments with money. Was it? And it was cheaper than any other paper in the that they could get at the time. I mean, it's like every virtually every economy on the planet has had to deal with this to some degree or another. And sometimes it's crazy. I think that there's is it maybe Zambia or Tanzania has like, Dogecoin has pretty much they have like twenty trillion dollar bills because it's just gotten <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Like yeah. why even? But but that happens. Um, inflation can get to be very dangerous. It can be a huge problem. There's actually a really great NPR series about Brazil in in the 90s uh, and 80s working through this this problem and how they fixed it. Um, but again, this is getting yeah. This is you, Hong Kong taking... fart note fart sounds. Wow, oh, wow. Oh. Dry fuss. What? 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 There we go. Yeah, we're back in the saddle. So that's what's going on, and this is, this scared everybody. Yeah, uh, that that was rich. What it boils down to is, or coming off the gold standard, finally gave the hardcore capitalist a genuine like. Okay, no, now that's that's too far. Yeah. We have got to do something about this. Helps the economy in the short term, mm-hmm. uh, scares the the capitalists like crazy. They saw it as anything from socialism uh, or communism to even what some considered a Jewish Zionist plot. Right. There was definitely a, a good amount of simmering racism to throw into the pot. Yeah, they hated... FDR got a lot of hate from both sides, even a, uh, a birther conspiracy in there. Oh, love him. From his Dutch origins. <laughs> well, no one trusts the Dutch. And keep in mind, Henry Ford had written, you know, a decade before uh, the, the international Jew. I mean, there was, yeah. there was a fair amount of anti-Semitism already simmer, simmering in industrialist and capitalist America. Yeah. And so when, when everyone gets threatened... You at this point, we're no better than Germany. You know, like yeah. like yeah. when when there's a problem, when things start getting scary, ah, find those guys, right? Blame them. Yeah, blame somebody else. Now we we've given you your economic lesson for today, but uh, the bell has rung and it's time to go to the next class. That's right. Uh, and the next class is um, health. Ooh. Miss Strongbot's teaching. Oh, dude, she's so hot. The other day, though, I was like, I was in there after class. I think, I think I'm gonna ask you to prom. I think it'll work. I think it'll work. It'd be so cool. Miss Strongbot's will never go to prom with you. You say that now, dude. You say that now, but I think she's into me. <laughs> it's all in your head, bro. <laughs> it's all in your head. It's totally in your head, bro. Um. No, we're going to political science class. Oh God! Sorry, we're going. I I, I want to talk about forms Mr. of government. Mr. Nurstman's a dick. Nurstman. There's, Adam Nurstman. There's. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't <laughs> dog have Nurstman? <laughs> I I want to talk about forms of government because I it's something that people throw around. They, these yeah. are terms people throw around. Uh, I never got the. Uh, the boring pleasure of, of having it explained to me. Uh, you didn't know how Doc Lindfelt then go to uh, back at good old Cheyenne Mountain High School. He was one of the best. Oh, well, good on him. I'm going to throw out some very rudimentary um, definitions for some of the high rollers uh, mm-hmm. in, in the uh, government terms that we're talking about. When all of the world's governments play Baccarat, 
There are only four allowed into the ivory room. Wow, the ivory room. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, first of all, let's talk. Uh, let's let's tell you about democracy. That's something ever heard of it. We've I think heard of. Thanks, Obama. Uh, democracy. Democracy is funny. Uh, it refers to a, a broad range of types of government based on the consent of the governed. Yep. We have to vote things into happening. The majority rules. Yeah, like a mob, an angry, angry mob that's disinterested in voicing its opinion once every four years. Is it so fucking hard? Even every two years. Come on. Now, uh, there's also a republic, which is government that's ruled by elected leaders and run according to law. Yep. What we, what we're told we live in is a democratic republic. Yeah. So we, we have elected leaders um, that are elected by consent of, of the governed and supposedly holding the interests of those constituents. So the government is for the people. And would, by the people. Well, would you say then that we have a democratic people's republic here in the U.S.? Yeah, there's, a, there's another democratic people's republic. Yeah, it's over in Africa. It's in North Korea. Well, there's that too. <laughs> the DPRK. And I'm thinking of Congo. Oh, see? All the great countries have this in common. <laughs> that's probably that's probably a whole different subset. Like, there, when I was looking up democracy, it was like, here's here's an offshoot, here's an offshoot, here's an offshoot. Right. And, and you'll find that with all so, these So are you things. saying that Korea doesn't have a democracy? Oh, you know, uh, everybody voted for Kim Jong-un. Yeah. That's because he's the first man on the moon. Yeah. Is mandatory (laughs) to vote Kim Jong-un. Therefore, Kim Jong-un. Glorious leader. Oh, now we're going to get hacked. Nat Norp. (laughs) We didn't say anything bad. I didn't didn't make a butt joke. Oh. Now let's talk about fascism. Uh, This is rule by a totalitarian and corporatist government. Uh, Nazism is just... The same thing as fascism, except there's a stronger emphasis on race. Yep. It's fascism racist. Yeah. It's it's racism. Hmm. Racism. Uh, uh, how about communism? Communism is a socioeconomic system based on the common ownership of the means of production with the absence of social classes, money, and government rule. Yeah. Everyone contributes and everyone benefits. Has that ever worked? It's It works in theory. Yeah. The problem <laughs> is that it's meant to govern humans. Yeah. Who are inherently greedy, we piggies. <laughs> ah, the kind of keep from hoarding things. Money. It's called the Animal Farm. People read it. George Orwell. Milk and apples, man. It's all about milk and apples. Build that windmill. Um, God, I'm, I'm, I'm sounding well-read tonight. You really are. <laughs> hand in hand, there's socialism, uh, which is much like communism. And some people uh, even posture that it's it comes before communism. Yeah. But, it, but it's focused on economics and not Didn't politics. Didn't come to America before Obama. <laughs> it's so funny how, how – because – even in, in the 30s there, in the uh, late 20s, early 30s, it was like they had a socialist party. Like it wasn't yeah, wasn't as uh, um, hated as communists right. were, I don't think, which is funny. Um, a quick communist versus socialist. How do you tell the difference? It yeah. all sounds the same. Well, 
a couple things. There are a lot of differences, actually. That it's like reading the the VCR manual, though, right? <laughs> to find the differences. Well, it's pretty easy. All you have to do is uh, read Obamacare. <laughs> That's it. I'm done making stupid jokes. Uh, for communism, it's from each according to ability to each according to needs. Everyone good. gets to do what they're good at, and everyone gets what they need. Right. Socialism is from each according to ability to each according to contribution. So whatever you put into it, you get out of it. Yeah? Yeah. Also in, in communism. Also known as the lazy clause. I don't get that, though. If you don't put into it, you don't get out of it. How's that a lazy clause? Oh, are you saying that is if you're lazy, you don't get? Right. I yeah, see. That's, okay. Yeah, it's the, <laughs> the clause that cures that because there's some guy in communism going, so you guys are just going to take care of everybody, right? <laughs> right. That Well, that's what people try to make you think socialism is. Right. I. I feel like this is it's a very slippery slope because we're we're not um political science men, we're not economists yeah. men, but we we want to know more about this. We're trying to get some information out there. We so might be slenderman. We might be slenderman. I'm not a slenderman. <laughs> no, me neither. I've been running some lately, but <laughs> I've got a long it, way God. to go to stretch my arms and <laughs> right. take your soul. <laughs> <laughs> we do take children though. So um <laughs> Lots more on communism versus socialism. Uh, if if you type in communism versus socialism, a lot of uh, websites will have little charts that are like, here's how they differ. And you'll probably also get an epic rack battle from history. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, the, uh, they did one of all the Russian rulers. It was like uh, oh, I didn't Rasputin versus um, Stalin or something. I don't. I it, but but they they have a bunch of them. It was one one of the best ones they've done. It, it was awesome. great. But anyway. That's a that's a little forms of government uh, rant for you. Yeah. So now Just you've so got you that know. in your pocket. Tell your friends about it. Yeah. So so the plot. So the plot. A military coup was deemed to be the answer to these rich people's fears. Yep. And a group of mega wealthy men met in private in New York to plan one at a place called the Meadows. <laughs> the Rothschilds. <laughs> the Gettys. <laughs> Uh, it was all to be financed by leaders of industry, and heading it up was your friends at DuPont mm-hmm. and your friends at, and including J.P. Morgan. I'm glad to see that J.P. Morgan has at no point changed their perspective or their behavior. Not at all. Some of the high rollers in this, Irene DuPont, there was, I guess, a guy named Ir- Irene, Irene. Sure. I don't know. It's dumb. Urine, urine, urine mouth DuPont. This was a right-wing chemical industrialist and founder of the American Liberty League, uh, which will come up in a second. The organization assigned to execute the plot. And you've got Grayson Murphy, director of Goodyear. Uh, William Doyle, who was a former state commander of the American Legion and a central plotter. Uh, John Davis, former Democratic presidential candidate and senior attorney for J.P. Morgan. Ooh. Al Smith is just a good guy. He's my neighbor. I try to include him on these things. You know, but, he doesn't get uh, out of the house much. No, so. no. His wife, you know, she's uh, keeps him on a short leash. But, you know, he likes to get out with the boys, you know, and so he buys beers a lot. So he's a nice guy. This Al Smith was Roosevelt's apparent bitter political foe from New York. Extraordinarily bitter. Former governor uh, of New York and co-director of the American Liberty League. It's It's really funny how, like, 
Well, FDR beat me. Now I want to <laughs> instrument burn it, burn it, institute all. a coup. Yeah, John J. Raskob, a high-ranking Dupont officer and former chairman of the Democratic Party, it's his own party plotting against him. In in later decades, Raskob would become a Knight of Malta, uh, which was a, a Roman Catholic religious order with a high percentage of CIA spies. Apparently, uh, Robert Clark one of Wall Street's richest bankers and stockbrokers, and then a fellow by the name of Gerald McGuire, a bond salesman for Robert Clark and a former commander of the Connecticut American Legion. Those are your Mayhor players in this. Now, it was decided that the, quote, man on the white horse, end quote, would be Smedley Butler Mm -hmm. because he was a very popular war vet and thought by this group to be easy to manipulate. Yeah, there was a, a few things that they thought they had levers on him. I mean, he was extraordinarily popular because every uh, veteran knew that he was a soldier soldier. Yeah, he was he, fighting for them. Um, he had also recently been snubbed, as it were. I mean, he was a soldier. He wasn't a politician, but he was in line to be the next commandant of the Marine Corps. Right. One of uh, his, uh, another guy who had a uh, less experience who was, uh, who hadn't done as much. He was, uh, there was even, you know, uh, headlines, things like this, that, that Butler was expected to take over the Marine Corps. He did not get it. Yeah. So this, this rival of his did, um, and Ben Fuller was his ben name. Ben Fuller, who was a more politically savvy, more politically connected, less mouthy. Yep. And so he, you know, he took over at which, and at which point, um, Smedley retired. He was like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm yep. just going to become a speaker, which uh, he did and did very well. Yeah. And he traveled the country speaking uh, about event- uh, veterans benefits, veterans rights, and uh, really holding uh, a lot of uh, shining a lot of light on on like this is what the government has done. That's yeah. not fair. You know, these guys deserve more than they got. That's not, that's, that's not the America that they fought for. Not, not to mention um, being outspoken on anti-war sentiment mm-hmm. and war profiteering. Yep. He didn't like uh, the fact that the United States military was being used to protect private business interests right. in other countries. He thought they were, he, I think he called them uh, uh, glorified police officers. Yeah. Yeah. And and Butler, uh, to give you an idea of, of his um, time, his glory, glory days, uh, he was born in 1881. He died in 1940. He was, I mean, like we've said, in the Marines, he was a career Marine. Yeah. That was what he did. That's what he wanted to do. Uh, nicknamed Old Gimlet Eye, the Fighting Quaker, and Old Duckboard. Although at this point in history, uh, they'd already repudiated duck boarding and it was not done any longer. Nope. Not after they took over Guantanamo. <laughs> not after the Frank and Dunk incident. Sorry, we said duck and we, we need some more sounds in this night. <laughs> That's not how I feel about it. He was the most decorated Marine in U.S. history with 16 medals. Two Congressional Medals of Honor. For separate actions. Yeah. The French even gave him a, a medal. Oh, oh dude. I love you, Smedley. <laughs> oh, Smedley Butler. <laughs> Smedley Darlington Butler. Nice. Yeah. He joined the, the Marines in 1898. Like you said, he lied about his age to, to get in there. 
but he wasn't very far away from 17. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, he served until 1908 when he had a nervous breakdown and uh, they gave him a nine-month leave, sick leave, and he just itched to get back into, into military service. Went back in 1909, served till 1924, when he was asked to become the public safety officer of Philadelphia, because Philadelphia was apparently uh, more corrupt than a bowl full of wet geese. I'll support what you just said. Thank you. So... He did this for a year. He he had sort of like a like a contract for a year. Uh-huh. Was super corrupt, very like from the police down to the to the hookers on the street. Um the 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 city was, not him. The city was. Right. Yeah. And he he like took a baseball bat to it. Now, this was during like we said prohibition, which was the time in America where alcohol was uh, unlawful. The dark times. Yeah. Illegal. Uh, he was a big proponent of, of prohibition. That's that's one strike against him. But, uh, I mean, he was a Quaker, so it, yep. it, he f- it fell in line. Um, a fight in Quaker. Fight in Quaker. He was a, uh, he was a mascot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Listen to... Pennsylvania uh, fight in Quakers. He's also a frequent contributor to the early letter-writing campaign of blurry... Uh, of, of furry three free throws. Furry free throws. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when breaking up a speakeasy, yeah, I always like to have a Red Baron pizza. <laughs> <laughs> a little elaborate. I just uh, go with Max, but sure. <laughs> so uh, he kicked uh, Philadelphia, uh, started getting it into shape. They asked him to stay on another year. He stayed on another year. And then uh, when, when two years was up, they wanted him to stay on another year. The president said, no, that's enough. Send him back into service. and he defied he, or he tried to defy the mayor and and the president and stay on to continue cleaning up uh-huh. Philadelphia. Well, uh, everybody got pissed off at him apparently and, and kicked him back into the Marines. I don't know. It was a weird, is a, it was a Marine. That's a weird a Marine part of, of his story. Yeah. But uh, anyways, in 1926, he returned to service served till 1931 towards the end of his service. He, he started getting a little jaded, from the whole thing in 31 he re- he repeated gossip about Mussolini apparently Mussolini had run over a kid and everybody just sort of brushed it under the rug and he he I heard Benito doesn't even wear underpants Benito wears boots made of giraffes disgusting come on Come on. So gross. There's plenty of giraffes still left. We don't even have to worry about it right now, but it's gross. Slippery slope. Anyway, the Italian government got pissed off at him. Jesus. Yeah. And they they bitched to Herbert Hoover. Clearly the most bored government on earth. To uh, President Hoover. And Hoover apparently didn't care for him and had him court-martialed for it. Heard you were talking (laughs) shit. Yeah. (laughs) He apologized and then got away with a reprimand. So he didn't end up getting court-martialed in the end because he said, I'm sorry, you're an asshole. What? (laughs) I'm sorry, you're such a dick. You douche. In 1930, the commandant of the Marine Corps had died and Butler was, like you said, in line to replace him, but then was passed over by this Ben Fuller. uh, And that, that just royally 
Yeah. That was the last piece of cheese on his biscuit. Right. So he requested retirement shortly after, and then he became this outspoken proponent of, of veterans and, and then anti-war uh, sentiment and toured, lectured, st- uh, uh, lectured against fascism, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then he stood with the Bonus Army in 1932, which and that's what really kind of catapulted him as this as this leading figure of the Bonus Army, right? And I have a uh, uh, a quick sound clip of of that. Yeah, take it from me, this is the greatest demonstration of Americanism we have ever had. Pure Americanism, willing to take this beating as you've taken it. Stand right, steady. You keep every law. And why in the hell shouldn't you? My God, that sounds at least 80 years old. <laughs> uh, he's, he, he was a firecracker, man. So uh, in 1933, uh, keep in mind the, the bonus army had been run out by Hoover yep. and, and Douglas yeah. MacArthur. Yeah. He asked General Douglas MacArthur, who everyone's heard of, and uh, t- Douglas MacArthur was supposed to just kind of keep the peace. Douglas MacArthur said, fuck the peace, fuck these hippies, disobeyed a direct order from the president, and ran them the fuck down. Yeah, rode in with yeah. cavalry. Yeah, on horses, killed 17, I believe, yep. burned their, their tents, their, their little shanty town. Yeah. Hooverville, their yeah. makeshift Hooverville. Yeah, he, he just was like, nah, you, I don't need your hippie talk. It's time for me to do this. Yeah, which is nuts, him being a military man, but... Uh, in 1933, Butler was approached by two men, uh, Gerald McGuire, a bond salesman and, and member of the Connecticut American Legion, which mm-hmm. I mentioned before, and Bill Doyle, who was the commander of the Massachusetts American Legion uh, veterans. McGuire claimed to represent the Committee for a Sound Dollar. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they wanted him to run for national commander of the American Legion. Which at the time, even by McGuire's own admission, was really just a bunch of strike breakers. Right, right. He declined, which, which is to be, which is which, which means functionally stooges of the capitalists. Yeah, they go in and, and beat up people yeah. who are trying to get better working conditions, yep. better pay. Yeah, he declined, but McGuire kept coming back to him, and eventually uh, brought along another veteran, this uh, uh, Robert Sterling Clark. Well, I also mentioned before this uh, rich bitch army vet. <laughs> he was the heir to the Singer Corporation. Yep, Singer uh, being the uh, sewing mm-hmm. manufacturer and quite the art connoisseur. Sure. <laughs> um. So he says. Yeah. In 1934, McGuire put it bluntly to Butler. Butler was to lead a new veterans organization in a coup against the president, saying, "Quote." You know the American people will swallow that. We've got the newspapers. We'll start a campaign that the president's health is failing. Everyone can tell that by looking at him. And the dumb American people will fall for it in a second. End quote. Yeah. The, so he was supposed to take all of these disenfranchised veterans, march them down. They would be armed, paid for by the, uh, the sponsors of this coup. Yeah, it was... Um, Remington mm-hmm. uh, pistols, which was a part of uh, what DuPont, yeah, I think the pistols of freedom, the pistols of capitalist freedom and <laughs> liberty. Right. Yeah, it was to take five hundred thousand soldiers down there or, or veterans down there, march on Washington, and McGuire implied that his claims had the support 
of several political leaders and bottomless financial backing, which, if that's true, it's true. Right. <laughs> because if you've got the backing of J.P. Morgan and DuPont and right. yeah, all these other asshats, you, you've got the, the financial backing. They'd found the perfect soldier, but they didn't expect him to disobey orders. This fall, dun 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 dun, Smedley, dun 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 dun, Butler, dun 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 dun, is dun 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 the whistleblower. It's been done. Smedley Butler is Smedley. Smedley Butler as Smedley Butler in Smedley Butler. So, so Smedley. Has these meetings with these guys. Right. He, um, McGuire even proved that he had cash resources and he even predicted some personnel changes in the White House. So Butler believed him. Finger on the pulse. Now Butler decided, you know what? Let's do this. I'll go along with it. All right. All right. I'll pray wrong. I'll pray wrong. Uh, he had a friend come over and, and join in named Paul Cumley French. Asterisk. Not a porn star. <laughs> Two asterisks should be a porn star. Could be calmly, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, McGuire said that his backers, which were called the American Liberty League. <laughs> Lots of leagues. Lots of leagues. Super PAC. <laughs> Citizens United. Uh, had a plan for the economy modeled after Mussolini's. Yep. Because they were in awe of what he he was doing with Italy. And for unemployment, here's what he said. Quote, all unemployed men would be put in military barracks under forced labor, as Hitler does. And that would soon solve that problem. Another thing we would do immediately would be to register all persons in the United States as they do in Europe. That would stop a lot of communist agitators wandering around loose. (laughs) Yeah. End quote. Open parentheses, jaw flap, <laughs> close parentheses. Butler then uh, went before the nation in, in a press conference mm-hmm. and was going to address everyone in which uh, it was thought he would demand the surrender of the government. Instead, he tore off his Scooby-Doo mask, <laughs> showing that he, he had played them for fools, and he blew the whistle like it was his job, mm-hmm. because he was an American, and it was his job. <laughs> That's right. He was a patriot. Here is an excerpt from that uh, speech he gave. I appeared before the Congressional Committee, the highest representation of the American people under subpoena to tell what I knew of activities, which I believe might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship. The plan as outlined to me was to form an organization of veterans, to use as a bluff or as a club at least, to intimidate the government and break down our democratic institutions. The upshot of the whole thing was that I was supposed to lead an organization of 500,000 men, which would be able to take over the functions of government. I talked with an investigator for this committee, who came to me with a subpoena on Sunday, November 18th. He told me they had unearthed evidence linking my name with several such veteran organizations. As it then seemed to me to be getting serious, I felt it was my duty to tell all I knew of such activities to this committee. 
My main interest in all this is to preserve our democratic institution. I want to retain the right to vote. I have the right to speak freely and the right to write. If we maintain these basic principles, our democracy is safe. No dictatorship can exist with suffrage, freedom of speech, and press. So, uh, it was decided that a congressional hearing should investigate these allegations, and uh, Representatives John McCormick and Samuel Dickstein <laughs> headed up the Special Committee on Un-American Activities. Now, that's actually German for a dick stone. <laughs> Butler named the wealthy conspirators and this Gerald Maguire. And the less wealthy ones. Yeah, and his friend French... Mr. Cumley French turned out to be a journalist who corroborated his testimony. So he yeah. played him like Hard. that fiddle too. He brought the, the next best since a wire didn't exist. He right. just brought a journalist. Yeah. He almost got found out though. When the guy couldn't stop saying scoop. That's right. <laughs> Please speak into my giant man sized cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> a coup for the president. What a scoop. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> What did that man say? He's French. Don't worry about it. That's right. <laughs> so they go, they have these congressional investigations. And yeah. fortunately, if there's one, one of the rare uh, things that stays constant in this country is the ineptitude of a, any congressional investigation. And so these guys, they sit down, they're like, well, these guys, I mean, literally, I, to quote, they're too important to bring down here. <laughs> we consider their inclusion hearsay, redact them from the record. Yep. These guys. Less so, mm, kitten paws, kitten paws, knock it off. Yeah, we, including McGuire. McGuire was yeah. one of them. He was the main guy. He was t- called to testify, and of course, he denied everything, but apparently he gave conflicting accounts in his testimony, and uh, that to the committee, he held zero credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was, it was pretty, people were pretty sure he had something to do with it, and he was a jag. Uh, now the rich bitches, like you said, were not called. And, uh, in the end, the committee agreed that there was evidence of a coup and then it was dropped. Yep. That's all. Thanks, mister. I said, good day. Yeah. No criminal investigation was started. No one was prosecuted. Butler went on to speak against uh, corporations and wars saying in 1935, quote, I spent 33 years and four months in active military service, and during that period, I spent most of my time as a high-class muscle man for big business. Muscle man for big business for Wall Street and the bankers. In short, I was a racketeer, a gangster for capitalism. I helped make Mexico and especially Tampico safe for American oil interests in 1914. I helped make Haiti and Cuba, a decent place for the National Citibank boys to collect revenues in. I helped the raping of half a dozen Central American republics for the benefit of Wall Street. I helped purify Nicaragua for the International Banking House of Brown Brothers in 1902 to 1912. I brought light to the Dominican Republic for the American sugar interest in 1916. I helped make Honduras right for the American fruit companies in 1903. In China, in 1927, I helped see to it that Standard Oil went on its way unmolested. Looking back on it, I might have given Al Capone a few hints. The best he could do was to operate his racket in three districts. I operated on three continents. 
boosh, mic drop. Yeah. Five years later, he was dead. Coincidence? George Sukolo sound. Is such a thing even possible? Yes, it is. I mean, it didn't fit. I just, I'm sorry. Well, sure it, fit. it fits. It fits if I say it fits. But uh, newspapers at the time completely ridiculed him. But, you know. Right. What, newspapers what do you do owned by controlled? who? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Like, the, the, there's even a, a mention in the congressional record that, um, yeah, the newspapers have all, are all calling this a hoax. They have heard no testimony. No testimony was given before they just said that. So right. we're going to kind of ignore them. <laughs> And McGuire, the guy who did, who yep. was called to testify, shortly after his testimony, died of anything from natural causes to maybe pneumonia. Falling on a handful of bullets at the bottom of an elevator shaft. Mm-hmm. This is this is like, when I say shortly thereafter, it's like a month. Oosh. So, coincidence? So, yeah, it could be. It sure could be. Sure could be. Sure Sure could be a coincidence. Wow. So he died that quickly afterwards and and it was it just of natural causes. George Sukolo sound? Is such a thing even possible? Yes it is. Yes it is. Yes it is. Oh man, this thing is is Yeah. It's disgusting. It is. And I, I'll say this, like, you know, now that we're kind of in the uh, post analysis. What do you think happened? Part yeah. of it. I think that. I think that. In my opinion, is this is it happened as reported. I, I. I. You know what I mean? Like, it's. It's not pulling any punches. It's not hiding. You know, like, oh yeah, we straight up don't want these guys included in this. So yeah. no. You know, like, I think that's pretty pretty accurate. <laughs> I. I agree. I mean, there are. Arguments that historians have made, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not this thing was was the truth at all. Now, people people come up and say, "Well, this guy was obviously a jaded marine." Yep, he was definitely he had an axe to grind. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, all lies. But but the, the the theory that he's operating on, like it, it seems counterproductive. If I mean that's I mean if you believe the entire narrative. Mm-hmm. which I'm inclined to. That's why they approached him. They thought that he would be on their side. Right. I I have a problem with a, a jaded Marine suddenly trying to um, get corporations in trouble. Uh, Wall Street fat cats. Yeah, it's it's a weird turn to suddenly take. Yeah. When, why? When, when even, I mean, bef- before, I assume also during and after he his 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 focus his push was veterans rights right like why why take this boondoggle into to demonizing capitalists and saving the the government that right that didn't let him become commandant right that that he was still you know that that was that was mistreating his fellow soldiers so i don't feel like that really tracks i don't either i don't either and and he went on to before he he died which apparently he died of of cancer sure sure before he uh, died, he wrote a book called uh, War is a Racket, which I, I haven't read, but is out there to read, so you can find it. I think hmm. it's even on, somebody's got it on a LibriVox somewhere. You can uh, have someone read it to you poorly for free. Sweet. So there there was a, a 
the theory that it was a hoax to win support for the flagging uh, FDR administration. Right. And, and one thing that's important to point out that would maybe potentially lend some credence to this is that the New Deal, while extraordinarily transformative in the long run, uh, a saving grace of sorts, it took a while to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the, the, the dollar was destabilized for a while, like there, there were, there were consequences for a little while after this and that, that, that built a lot of animosity towards the new deal before it kind of caught on and these programs really got into effect and the public works, things like that, that were putting people to work really started to, to swing into action and that money started making it back into the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. People from each, each side of the old stupid ass aisle, you know, Republicans, Democrats, both were speaking out against him mm-hmm. on some of this stuff. And he didn't have uh, overwhelming support, which is no. odd since he won the popular election. Right. But his plans were radically different. Yeah. I mean, they, he it was really, shaking stuff up. Yeah. It, and it's so funny that a country that's in such grips of, of hell economically is so scared of change. Right. It's, yeah, that it they, seems paradoxical, right? Well, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it's, I think uh, if you're in a, a lifeboat that's sinking, the last thing you think to do is get out of the lifeboat because it's you're a right. lifeboat, you know, I, you know, it's, it's like uh, the raccoon grip, you know, raccoon grabs a thing, won't let go of it. You know, they used to make raccoon traps based on that, hmm. that their hand could fit in there and grab a nut, but they couldn't pull it out. And that would functionally trap the raccoon. I don't know if that's true. I've never trapped a raccoon, but that's the story I heard growing up. And but you know that that sort of mentality that people are like, no, 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 this is the thing that's going to save me. I just need to wait a little bit longer. I can I can see I can see that. You know? I guess so. I it's guess the fear so. of the unknown versus yeah. the yeah. yeah. You're right. There's something to be said about FDR as a businessman before his presidency. I didn't have time to to look into all his. Uh, life, but he was definitely, uh, maybe even ironically, part of the aristocracy. Yeah, <laughs> the American aristocracy, the elite. He was a rich richman. He was, you know, the Roosevelts had plenty of money. Yeah, we we don't elect poor guys president. Then, yeah, look where the country is. So so there is the thought, the the double down conspiracy that uh, FDR knew what was going on all along. And it was all part and parcel of selling it to the American people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to touch a little bit, I'm, I'm going through some of my some of my jotted notes. <laughs> to touch on the the fascist sympathy was uh, that was in the U.S. at the time. Nazi Germany was seen by many on on the right in the right wing uh, in American politics as uh, the U.S.'s potentially most important ally against international communism by people who saw Stalin as a as potentially a lot scarier than Hitler at the time. Right. And yeah, cuz Hitler hadn't done anything yet, you know. Right. The, Germany was considered to be toothless having been just devastated in the previous war, mm-hmm. but it it's still this this large country that could serve as a buffer to Europe. Um and yeah, I I see that. Yeah. And um one of the other Prescott Bush is thrown around a lot. Yeah, that would the, be the grandfather of George W. Bush. Yeah, father of H.W. This guy, by all accounts, from uh, he he pops up here and there in, in our 
research. Yeah, you'll you'll see him. I mean, I think people there's the, there's the the Bush animosity, and so people are quick to point it out. Even even though, and he was a politically active guy, so yeah, there's a lot of paper trail of where he was and what he was doing. People are very quick to include him in their theory because it's yeah, it's and and he did actually. I think he even was brought up on charges of war profiteering, wasn't he? Maybe. I don't know about that. Well, uh, I know that he was involved in selling selling weapons and and tanks and things to both sides. He like backed, Amer- and this is in World War Two. He a backed, dick move, bro. Backed dick Germany, move. backed America. Like it was all in the name of money. And I think that he was brought up on charges and got away with got got away with with most of them with kind of maybe a slap on the wrist and they, like they a cut million off his, dollar. They cut off his left hand. Ugh. I don't know, but that's one of the that's one of the shitty things is um, all the war profiteering is is totally real. P- people mm-hmm. sold arms to the enemy to kill their own countrymen. Yep, and and that still goes on. Oh yeah, it still goes on today. Um, you may be wondering why didn't anybody get tried? Why was there you know shouldn't this be treason? I don't think they had strict treason laws for something like this in peacetime. Well, I think that they had, I think also, and there was a lack of evidence. It really did just come down yeah. to these two guys' stories. So that's a lack of evidence. That's true. The people involved still extraordinarily uh, influential, very powerful. Yeah. And, and at what point does it, does the crime begin? You yeah, know? exactly. And I think that, you know, this wasn't like some master underground sting operation. He just kind of said, hey, you know, this guy on the bus is getting close to me. And so the bus driver goes, don't get so close to him. You know, like I think it was, which is so shitty because if it's real, he did exactly what he should have done. Right. Which is honestly, that's the, that's the battle cry of whistleblowers. Like it doesn't work out for whistleblowers a lot of the time. Yeah. Only one of them got Julia Roberts to play her, you know, like it's, it's ask Karen Silkwood how things work out for, uh, whistleblower as you can't because she was killed. Yeah. yeah. You know, like these things happen. It's, 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 it's unfortunate. And even with, with all of our whistleblowing protections and laws that are in place, they still, uh, there was a, a really great news story just this week, um, that, uh, an air, an air marshal, um, this is in the mid two thousands, the sky marshal, um, there was a big alert that went out that uh, the United States had some intelligence, that there was going to be terrorist activity. They wanted all their sky marshals in the air all the time. Two days later, they were like, oh, um, only short domestic flights, nothing international, nothing over four hours. Because the, the they didn't, um, Homeland Security didn't want to pay uh, hotel accommodations and per diems for these guys to have to spend the night yeah. in other cities. And this this guy, this this sky marshal, like was like, whoa, two days ago we were at threat, and now you're telling us that all these flights we can't do. So he told a reporter, he he leaked the story to get attention to it. the The administration cleaned up their act and everything, but then he was fired, and he said, no, you can't fire me. I was a whistleblower. They're like, oh no no, you broke the law. He's like, no, I broke your regulations. Those aren't the law. So there was just recently a court decision about that. Um, that no regulations are different from the law. He didn't break the law. He, he blew the whistle when he needed to, there was a, a lapse in security. You know, that's he, he made that people aware of that and we fixed the problem and it was fine. 
Um, and so it's those kind of things. Like hmm. even now with whistleblower protection laws, it's taken them over 10 years to get, you know, uh, to get this sorted out. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he came out on, on the good side. Yeah. yeah I think he's still coming out on, I mean, it's like still, I think wow. wrapping up, but, but yeah. Until he gets shot accidentally. <laughs> But, of yeah. So it's, it's, you know, like that, and that's, that's always been the problem with whistleblowers and they're, they're extraordinarily brave people who never get rewarded for it. Yeah. Everything goes to hell for them anyway. Yeah. Well, man, it, there, there's, there's so much to this in terms of uh, learning. Yeah. I mean, I, I really had fun <laughs> History, with this. One. Education. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it because it was such a neat topic. And yeah, and I know this episode has been, Fairly data heavy and fairly light on the sound of a fart, but sometimes that's the way the ball bounces. And sorry, you just learned. Yeah, sometimes to get American so mad about it. American history doesn't <laughs> have that many fart sounds. Yeah. Oh man, I we could we could spend uh, many more hours on this just on the the branches that come that that feed into it and mm-hmm. come out of it. It's oh man, I, I it personally just disgusts the hell out of me because it's still going on. But the thing, the thing is, the people who would be the ones to instigate a coup are now doing it covertly. They've learned from this, and they're taking a different angle on it. And it's, I think it's already in place, dude. Oh, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't go that far down the rabbit hole. I, 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 I think we're in an oligarchy completely. You left it off your list. I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> oligarchy is Next a rule week. rule by the elite, by the wealthy, by mm-hmm. aristocracy. Right. And and that I mean I mean wealth gaps, things like that certainly are like a problem and it doesn't doesn't seem to get better, it just seems to increase and maybe maybe it's time for us to rise up. Yeah. You heard it here. Yeah. Podbot revolution. That's right. <laughs> the the blurry phonus army. <laughs> you burned it. Oh well, anyways. It's crazy. It's true. I mean, in that something happened. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. That's something that I never learned anything about, never heard anything about. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. And that's that's the um, business plot in a uh, shadowy, well-funded, yeah, veteran army-laden nutshell. <laughs> Economics underpinned uh, nutshell. <laughs> Man, that was awesome. Yeah. And now it's time for me and you to mm-hmm. get on our horses. Yep. And ride down the Hoover town known as Puns. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, don't do it. Oh, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> All right, I got one right off the back. Well, go for it. Recently, Congress had uh, to do an investigation. It was actually regarding a plot. It was found uh, people were organizing and using German metal. Like the music? Yeah, yeah, German metal music in order to, to spread the word covertly because you know, most of the squares weren't going to listen to it. And so, uh, finally this committee finally convened and it was the McCormick Ramstein committee. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Du hast, du hast me. <laughs> du hast testimony. <laughs> du hast testimony. <laughs> also, if you get the opportunity, uh, to listen to, uh, Ramstein did an extraordinarily great cover of Depeche Mode's Stripped, which hmm. is awesome because the whole first part is just spoken word by that great voice. Come with me into the trees. We lay on the grass. Let ours pass. It was wow. great. Yeah. Nice. 
We should do a cover of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and one more thing. <laughs> what if I kick Joanne's a dick? Um, I think I made a sound that might hurt somebody's ears. So sorry about that. What do you got, Flora? I have uh, this. I, I I really I have to say I broke my bat on on both of these. Oh, nice. Both of these this week. I, I'm playing with broken bats. Uh, this is a conspiracy to overthrow the government by getting them all high and then ousting them. Uh-huh. It's the business pot. <laughs> Bunt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Infield fly rule. <laughs> and you? I'm going to. I'm going to show you how to do a broken bat bunt, okay? Okay. I'll show you how it's done. I guess at this point, it'd probably be about seven years ago, five to seven years ago, there was a massive demonstration in Washington. Uh, Adolescent girls were very upset about the government's ability to provide and maintain access to uh, three related gentlemen musicians and... uh, the fact that the government was not proper, you know, there weren't enough concerts. There weren't enough albums available. Posters were scarce. They were the Jonas army. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's on base on, on an error. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the umps just scratched their head and said, well, I hope no one noticed that. <laughs> All right. Rounding out these amazing American puns. Yeah. Uh, I've got an American icon who was a sex symbol of the thirties. Mm-hmm. He was outspoken against nudity laws. What? His name? Studley Strutler. <laughs> wow. Porn stars before talkies. <laughs> what would that look like? <laughs> it just had like that jangly piano and then like the, the, the card that said, Ooh, my lady, would, wouldst thou care for another touch? <laughs> Back to Jangly Piano. Back in the 30s when they spoke like medieval times. Yeah. What they did was all script and stuff. <laughs> oh, God. There you go. Yeah, them's is puns. Them's puns. And now, a fireside chat from your president of the United States, Franklin Donald Roosevelt. My fellow American, I have in my hand. Pages and pages of letters that you have written to me. And in this, I bring to you, the American people, stories of hope, of love, and of charity. This is Listener Man. That's awesome. All we have to fear <laughs> is listener mail itself. It's just enough. <laughs> All right. Right off the bat, uh, Scott. 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 He's got Scott, a pun for Scott, us. Scott. 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 Everybody. Um, he was surprised that we missed a really important part of the Arthurian what legend. What we miss? Well, there was a lady from Ireland. Um <laughs> We don't miss any ladies from Ireland. I'll tell you that right now. Scat. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she was She was quite short. Um, I think her name was Deborah. A little Beck there. Anyway. <laughs> I suggest that maybe we should, he suggests that he, that we should look her up. We will. Um, unless we've already heard of 
Little Debbie, a.k.a. the Lady of the Cake. Mm. I look her up every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's sorry about it, but we thank you. Thanks, Scott B. Don't be sorry. You think Scott B's done? He's not. Oh, sh**. I got another one from Scott B. He says, listening to the Bunyip episode, and this is us, mm-hmm. blah, 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 dot in the kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> He says, Ermager, you actually mentioned Dot and the Kangaroo. Uh, I had so many nightmares about the Bunyip because of that show. What's oh. worse is when I mentioned that cartoon to people, no one ever knows about it, which made it far more horrible that he was the only one who had experienced the sheer terror. Oh, man. That was, Bunyip's going to get you. Oh, dude. I'll tell you what, Scott. The look, Bunyip moon. Look that shit up on YouTube and it will scare you just as much today as when you were a kid. <laughs> it I, it still skeeves me out to no end. There's just something mortifying about it. Yeah. I can't. Oh, God. <laughs> Even thinking about it now, that is in the middle of my brain like a sliver. I'm glad that maybe we can go to a support group together someday. <laughs> he thanks you for letting him know that he was not the only one who's lived through that mentally scarring animated sequence. Oh, and he's looking forward to our t-shirts with the pumpkin. Sweet. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Okay, I'm going to try a new approach on this. Oh. Yeah, here we go. Hey, Flora. Yeah? If you ordered, say, I don't know, a Corona and wanted to put a piece of fruit in it, what would you use? Watermelon. That sh- goes with everything. <laughs> f*** you. Yeah! F*** you, David Flora. <laughs> <laughs> well, try to... <laughs> Try to do something nice for you, Dark Lemon, but uh, Flora <laughs> shit all over it, so I was going to make a really cool bit out of your name, as I always do. It's my way of showing my appreciation for you writing in. But I guess those days are over. Um, giant moron says, blah, 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 I eat my own poop. Next letter. <laughs> Why are you taking your anger out on the listener? That's what you're doing. It's me. I'm pretending to be you, and that's why you disrespect the people who love our podcast and write emails. I just like watermelon and the Corona. <laughs> you ruin everything. <laughs> Not like watermelon. That shit goes on anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dark Lemon, I am so sorry for what Flora has done and all of the horrible, horrible uh... insults that he spoke through my mouth just now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Dark Lemon, uh, in addition to trying to help you. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you feel like an ass. Um, more than usual. <laughs> uh, he and, and he and we're, you know, says congratulations on getting to the 99 mark. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank yeah well, you. hey, you, everyone knows these things are operating on a little bit of backlog. Sorry, America. Um, and the UK. And, and Australia. Uh, he has been a listener since Hollow Earth 1. Wow. And followed every bonus, supplement, candy chat, and bullstone ever since. That always makes me feel bad. Yeah. Don't forget <laughs> season's thing. beatings. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you very much. Loved it all. Uh, even tried to get his wife on board uh, with the Rasputin episode. Tragically backfired because she's something of an expert on that field. Um, like, we aren't, bro? What? What? Oh, we got it wrong. Probably. He didn't have yeah. a massive wang. Oh, yeah. No, he did. Uh, little known fact um, that he's adding in here. Which I'm sure is not a pun at all. I'm sure he's just giving no, us some No, it's just his information. information. Uh, little known fact, as well as sword and scabbard, Arthur had another item of immense magical power. Uh-huh. He wielded a simple gold band that, when held aloft, would summon two ferocious felines to fight alongside him. 
It's often called Arthur's Ring of the Kittens. Yeah, well, nice. King of the Britons there. Yeah. <laughs> and a mundane superpower, oh, which you, you don't deserve it. Uh, you don't. Sat nabbed, able to ascertain from the ether the exact location of any and all supervillains within three meters squared, but only for the period in which they are in custody. <laughs> wow. I like that. Specific. Because they get out of custody. Right. And then you so. don't know. I think that's just called like a, a penitentiary report. <laughs> a radio. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Lemon. Thanks, and thanks Dr. for Lemon. listening. You're a, you're a veteran. Th- and thanks for, for trying to get your wife on board. <laughs> yeah. Boy, if Rasputin can't do it, nobody can. Try, uh, try Civil War ghost stories. Yeah, see, see if she likes the yeah. weird ones. <laughs> she likes the weird ones. Heard from Angie. Hello, Angelina. Oh. Very formal. Como estas usted? Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, hi there. Hi. Hates to admit it, but was so disappointed nice. that uh, our guest was not able to tell the entire McDonald's coffee case. We, She said she had she studied this case in a law, law class that she took. Totally changed how she sees litigation. Here's here's yeah. the deal. I, I I I'm not sad that we didn't listen to more litigation talk. Although Greg Bach spins an an entrancing yarn. And that's true. Yeah, in 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 a fine pirate accent. Yeah. <laughs> this is we were talking about the woman that spilled coffee in her lap, sued, got money. Yep. She says the poor woman did go through the drive-through, but was the passenger. The driver parked so she could add cream and sugar to her coffee. The coffee spilled when she tried to open the pull tab and caused it to go all over her lap. She was completely cautious about handling the coffee, which was entirely too hot for human consumption. And she says, sorry to be a whiner about it, but Not yeah. Well, I, and I, I wonder if, they, if, they're, if they're even talking about the same case. I imagine there was more than one of them. I, 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 that's probably the, maybe. the one. I mean, I... I, I I don't, I don't disagree with you, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but thank you. My my question is: At what point does hot become too hot? Well, and and that's why you have lawsuits and lawyers. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look at me. At what point does this hotness become too hot? I don't know, but I don't think I'm anywhere near it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Got a ways to dig. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I think man. that was like a really good like car talk joke I just told. <laughs> Thank you, Angie. Thanks, for, thanks for writing in. Yeah, it's always good to get you know all yeah. the perspectives you can on on stuff that, especially when you hear it as bullshit at first. Mm-hmm. So good. So uh, we got an email. Uh, Thank you, Angelina. Thank you. We got an email here from Jeremy who tells us this is Jeremy, the one who speaks. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait, I've got a little something here. At home and Riding emails to blur photos <laughs> with your pods on. I pawn flesh and play. <laughs> iTunes doesn't give me the rectal. <laughs> oh, 
in Flora is a guy who hates all my pun. Stucco is a giant in and Flora is something. Run away. Run away in my hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. How long can we do okay, that? Yeah. That's Forever. fun to do. Fun to do. Thank you for that, Jeremy. <laughs> He's got a pun. We, for by the us. way, we we mashed up two songs. I hope you know that. I, it was I, my fault. I stayed on point. I stayed on point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <fuck> you. <laughs> Some men just like to watch the podcast burn. Yes, they do. It's me. I do. Uh, it's me. I did that. I uh, was born in even flow. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Simply adopted. I was born in Pearl Jam. Which one of these tubes do you breathe out? Do you smell out? <laughs> okay, no, 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 no. Okay, it's already gone too long. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta focus. You're right. Uh, the people of England would recite this poem to remember a fierce encrypted. There's a little stage note in here. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. Remember. Remember the fifth of September for the day that I lost my pie. So make sure you're out of sight. Don't just look left and right, or the creature will come down from the sky. The responsible cryptid, Pie Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> Too right. And also, he likes our podcast. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. Good. I hope you like that ten minutes of us just playing with <laughs> Pearl Jam. Yeah, and anytime you write, remind us of that bit, and we will do it again. <laughs> I guarantee it. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> one more. Got one more. Not not Pearl Jam song. Just one more email. Oh, okay. Can you hit me with a surprise? <laughs> My podcast hurting. Oh, drop water open. <laughs> okay. We both thought we were going to get to f*** the other guy there, but then we were yeah, still just doing was, the bit. It was too, too much. Too good. Uh, this one's from Goat. <laughs> no relation to the Goatman. Well, of course, that's what he'd say. And I don't think any relation to Goat Girl. Maybe. 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 I, I wanted to mention the Goat because uh, uh, we hadn't heard from Goat before, so... Yeah. Uh, Gave us a show suggestion, so thanks, goat. Sweet, thank you, sir. Don't don't eat McCann. You know, <laughs> just that's, do. You should yeah, don't, just do it anyway. Listen, just because someone's a goat doesn't mean they eat cans, dude. Man. You will crop the grass on your roof, though. You do a really good job of it. Really good job. That's it for mail for this week. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for all of your emails. Uh, don't forget to write us five star reviews on iTunes. Oh yeah, Twitter blurry underscore score photos. Yep, store score store score uh you could stumble upon us it's just fun to say i don't know why <laughs> check out we, we've got the first season up on youtube working on the second season and uh like us on facebook like us on facebook we are man we are doing really well on facebook we're on the march to five hildos that's right a half filled half, half a thousand yep. a hay thildo <laughs> <laughs> a fort thildo that's right <laughs> So thank you so much for that. Don't forget to hit our donate button. We covered that. You know that we're a big fan of that. Uh, Audible trial slash blurry photos. Yep. Do that. Get yourself a free book. Give us a monetary high five. Everyone's a winner. Yeah. Uh, that's all. That's 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 what's going on. <laughs> Thanks, Bobcat. This, this is about the time of the podcast. <laughs>
Sign off. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's it. That's yeah. all. That's all we're gonna do. Thanks for listening. Yeah. This has been Blurry Photos. Another episode in that order. <laughs> wow. For this episode of Blurry Photos, thank you. I have been Dave. Uh, you know, the people of America and a shining star in the pantheon of comedic performances. Stecco. And I've been David the Fighting Quaker Flora. Nice. Yeah. Podcast. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>